This is his place. Oh Lord, as your presence surrounds us this morning, as your glory fills the temple, as your Holy Spirit flows to and fro, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this afternoon. We surrender ourselves to you tonight. We surrender ourselves to you tomorrow and the next day. And the day after that, Lord, we just need to surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we humble ourselves and bow down to your holiness, to your righteousness. Lord, because we are nothing without you. And we need to honor you and glorify you. So we must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves if we want your presence. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day, and we thank you for everyone here in this place and those watching online, Lord. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you. We want to welcome our visitors back there. Nice of you to come. You know, I, I very rarely watch the news. But this morning, this has nothing to do with messing. <laughs> this morning, I'm watching the news, and they're talking about this lab that Bill Gates is involved in. And they produced man-made chicken. The FDA has approved it. So now you will see it on grocery store shelves. Processed chicken. And it's processed food that's killing us anyway. I don't know what this world, I don't understand Bill Gates at all, but there he is. We need to make our own coop. Just build a chicken coop. We, we used to have a chicken in the back. He used to hang around that dumpster. He was there for a long time. I think somebody took him home and ate him, but you know, he was there for an awful long time. So this morning, if you have a tithe and offering, you can put it in our offering box. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that we receive, Lord. We ask that you multiply those gifts, Lord, and touch the hearts of those that are giving. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're in the last part of the Beatitudes. We've been going through them. So this is the last set. The last two are 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11 of Matthew 5. But as we go through them, Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there's times when we've all mourned. But we need to find our comfort in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was sent here to comfort us in our time. Our 
are times of mourning. You know, when people mourn over the death of a loved one, the loss of a loved one, they also mourn over their sin because they've sinned against an almighty God. And if you're living in sin and you're sinning, God's not seeing you. So you've cut yourself off from God. Jesus said, hey, you've got the Holy Spirit. He'll comfort you. He'll, he'll bring you back. Blessed are the meek. The meek is not weak. The meek is the humble. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But how many of us honestly pursue that? How many of us honestly go out every, every day and hunger for more of his righteousness? And we thirst for that. We, we need it. We need to consume it. And if we go after it, God will fill us. Then he tells us, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you don't have mercy on someone, you're not going to get any. So I mean, we've all, had, we've all had friends, we've all had people we've known throughout our life that we needed to show mercy to. And sometimes we did, and sometimes we didn't. But Jesus tells us, no matter what, you better be merciful to those you meet from now on or you're not getting any mercy out of me and I don't want to stand before God because I have this view of heaven and I have this view of the meeting where he's just got a circle and you stand on it and he's got that little lever and if it ain't right he pulls that lever that hole opens up and down you go I mean, that's just something that's ingrained in my mind that that's the way it's going to be standing before God because he's going he's to go over every single moment of your life. Every decision you've made, every word you've spoken, and every way you've treated one another. He's going to go over that. Your whole life before God. Now, if we're surrendered to Christ, if we're honestly Christians, we're honest disciples of Jesus, then we're going to go before Jesus. Amen. So that circle won't be there. Because he's already granted us a home in heaven. But he's still going to go over everything you've ever done. Because it says in heaven you're going to get many crowns. Some of you are going to get more crowns than I will. Rosa's going to get a lot more crowns than I do. You know, there, there, there was a story about a, an evangelist, world-renowned evangelist, goes out and He's holding big crusades, leading millions of people to God. And he dies. And on the same day, there's a cabbie in New York City. 
driving around, and he dies. They both get to the pearly gates at the same time. They meet Peter. Peter goes in and he says to the event, the evangelist says, I'm so and so, I'm a world renowned evangelist. I've led all these people to Jesus. Peter goes, Wait right here, I'll get your robe and everything. Gets him a white robe, little gold belt. Says to him, Go on. The cabbie comes up. He says, I'm here. Peter said, Yeah, wait a minute. Goes in, gets him a robe, gold belt, about three or four crowns he puts on his head, gives him this gold stick to carry around. The evangelist looks at him and goes, I led all these people to Christ. And all I get is a little gold robe. How come he gets so much? And Peter said, well, he was a cabbie in New York. So over his 40 years of driving a cab, everybody that got in it prayed. <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Oh, I'd hate to die on the day I don't have a pure heart. I mean, God remembers all, but our hearts really got to be pure. And in this world, that sometimes is hard to do. But we really got to have a pure heart a clean heart, holding no animosity towards people or towards one another, towards your boss, towards anything. Just have, have a pure heart. Blessed are their peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I mean, that would be a nice little title. You know, God says, you're my son. You remember what he did with Jesus when Jesus came out of the water? This is my son who I'm well pleased. He says the same thing over you. This is my son who I'm well pleased. And then we get into today's. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they reveal, revile, I guess, and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you for my sake. Revile means they come in front of you in anger and anguish and they just try to destroy you. It would be like if you're standing out on the street corner with a sign that says, I love Jesus. And people are coming up and they're flipping you the bird and they're cursing at you and they're yelling and screaming at you and doing all this. That's what revival is. Rejoice, verse 12 says, and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. You'll look forward to a little more than a little gold belt. It says you're going to have a great reward. And rejoice in it. For it says they persecuted the prophets who came before you. Think about some of those prophets who came before you. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Samuel, 
John 3.20, it says, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. I mean, doesn't that give us a good idea why, why so much happens in darkness? So much sin is committed at night. Because you feel that in, in the light, people can see everything. But when it's dark, they don't see. Problem is, God still sees. I mean, God knows what everybody is thinking right now at the same time. All the people here, all the people out there, all the people everywhere. He knows what you're all thinking. And then 1 John 3.12 tells us, we must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, who killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. I mean, sometimes, you know, we just can't be like that. But in our heads, sometimes in our minds, we go out and we just eliminate people. I mean, I remember when I was younger, <clears throat> And my driving is a bit, you know, I like to drive. I like to drive fast. I really don't like traffic at all. You know, and, and we, lived, we lived in upstate New York. We lived in the mountains, you know. And uh, in those days, you know, kids would ride. They'd sit on your lap while you're driving. They'd steer the car when you're driving. You know, we didn't have all these rules and laws and regulations. People used to ride in the back of pickup trucks and all that stuff. So my son used to used to sit on my lap and he'd see a car get in front of me. He goes, Daddy, we gotta get around it, we gotta get past it. We need it out of the way. You know, because he knows I'm going crazy because the guy's looking twenty miles an hour. You know, and, and I just want him to move. So one year at Christmas, he buys me this little switch put on the dashboard. And it was just a little toggle switch. And on the sign, it said rocket launcher. <laughs> just launch a rocket and get the car out of the way in front of me. You know, but evil. And then you, then you find Jesus. And you see a whole different world. You see a world that was created for the way it, everything should exist. You read about the Garden of Eden. You read about the times when, when God was with Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you imagine how wonderful that would have been to be there and, and just kind of hang out with God? 
Now we have his Holy Spirit here. We can get into that presence. The disciples, they had the Son of God, Jesus, who is part God, he's part of the triune Godhead. They could actually touch him and hang with him. So we have to pursue righteousness and not be like Cain. Amen. But people will come after us. In Philippians 1.29, Paul writes, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering. You know, some people, especially those that, you know, don't really get into the Word of God as much as maybe they should, or they, they're not taught certain things. You, you think Christian, being a Christian is all happiness, joy, nothing bad ever happens. You never stub your toe. You never do anything. Nothing ever happens. But Paul's telling us here, you have the privilege, the privilege of trusting Christ. Like, it's a privilege to do that. And he says, not only that, but you have the privilege of suffering for him. Because Christ suffered for us. We have the privilege of suffering. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes again, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and your faithfulness in all the persecutions in hardships, you're suffering. He writes that letter to the church of Thessalonica, and he's telling them, hey, I'm letting all the other churches I got, all the other churches I know of, I'm letting them know how good you guys are doing. You may be suffering hardship, you may be suffering, but you're enduring through it. You're pushing through. Paul says, I'm letting everybody know. And then Peter tells us, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery darts you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. People always talk about the fiery darts. They're like the, the little words people throw at you, the little expressions, the, the raising of the eyebrows, the rolling of the eyes, you know, all those things. They're just you know, they're just antagonizing, but yet they throw it out there. And in Timothy, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He says you will suffer. Romans, he wrote, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Well, we all know that. We all realize if you're going to live a, a Christian life, you're not supposed to be out sinning. You're not supposed to commit sin. And the devil's always going to go after you and try to get you to fall. So we know that. Paul says, these people that live that way, that live according to the world or according to the flesh, who have a sinful nature, it never, they never did obey God's laws, and they never will. 
And in John 15, John writes, or this is Jesus speaking, he says, remember the word that I sent to you. A serpent is not greater than his master. Amen. And he says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Amen. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. So Jesus is basically putting us right up there with him. I'm teaching them. I'm giving them my word. If they're listening to me and taking my word, if you're speaking my word, they're going to listen and take it for you too. Jesus is putting you right up there. There's a couple of kinds of persecution. In Matthew 11, 5.11, it says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. And you say all kinds, and say all kinds of evil things against you because you're Jesus' follower. I mean, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. I mean, I remember we had some ladies go out to the Coral Springs Mall one day, and they're handing out gospel tracts. Well, they lasted about 60 seconds because security grabbed them, told them to get out, and told them they couldn't come back. We've had people go down to the walk Coral Springs and see different people and ask them to pray for them. And most of the people that allowed them were very receptive. There were some people that didn't want them there. So they would complain to management. The management of the walk would look down on lunchtime and see if those people are down there. And if they are, they send somebody down and tell them they had to leave. Persecuted for Christ's sake. It just happens. In Acts chapter 14, it says, where they strengthened the believers, they encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So it's not going to be lollipops and rainbows getting you into heaven. It's going to be persecution and suffering Amen. that's going to get you into heaven. Amen. And nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to be persecuted. But if we're persecuted because of Christ, mm-hmm. not persecuted because somebody doesn't like the outfit you're wearing or somebody doesn't like the car you're driving or the food you're eating or something like that. No. But if we're persecuted for Christ's sake, God is telling us, I got your back. I got you. I got rewards for you. I got my eyes on you. I got everything. I am going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. So God blesses the people that are mocked and persecuted, lied about. You know, but if you go down to Revelation 21, verses 3 through 5, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them 
He's talking about the new Jerusalem and the new earth that's come down. It's already here, the old earth, the earth that you now live on is gone. There's nothing left of it. And the new earth and the new Jerusalem come down. And he says, God is going to dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And then he goes on and he says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying. No more pain. For the older things, the older order of things has passed away. Amen. It's gone. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So he says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So God's going to make everything new in the end. So his home, there's going to be no more crying, no more tears. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and lasts forever. What is he talking about? He's telling us that, yeah, we may be getting persecuted. We may have trouble. We may be going through a hardship. But I'm telling you, it's going to produce a glory on you. Amen. It's going to produce a glory for you that's going to last forever. Amen. So what he means is God's going to see what you're doing. And as you're glorifying him, he's glorifying you. And he's taking you from glory to glory because of how you're living and what's going on. Peter tells us, if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Now, I know people, they wear t-shirts, love God, Jesus, all this, and people snap at them sometimes, say things to them. We're being told, we're being blessed. The only reason they're saying something is the glory of God, the spirit of God is resting on you. So there's something unique, there's something different about you that they don't have, they don't understand. So then it says, what do we do if we're not being persecuted? We should be thankful for the blessings. Thankful for the blessings of peace and freedom that we can enjoy every day. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I urge you first of all, to pray for all people, Paul writes. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all that are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. Pray for them. Remember those who are persecuted. In Hebrews, the writer says, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. 
Remember those also being mistreated as you feel their pain in our own bodies. You know, there's the martyrs. I don't remember what the organization is, but it's all about martyrs. It's all about people in, in certain countries just being totally persecuted. You had genocide going on in certain countries of Africa. You believed in Jesus. You were getting lined up and shot down. They were just killing you like there was no tomorrow. And, and the writer of Hebrews is telling us to pray for those people. Pray for those situations. And then he writes in Hebrews 10, he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. It was written 2,000 years ago. But each day is one day closer. One day closer to Jesus' return. So let us not neglect gathering together and encouraging one another. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Don't hold any grudges against one another. Lift them up. Encourage them. And pray for them. Make sure you're doing what is right. Because it says, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who suffer and endure persecution because of a devotion and a commitment to God are promised a place of honor and reward in God's heavenly kingdom. When you get to sit at the big table, well, there might be 40 million people there at the table with you, but you get to sit there because there's about 8 billion people on earth now. Matthew 5.14 tells us, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. If you're related with Christ, you are a light. You should walk into a place and illuminate and I know people that have that kind of personality. They can walk in, they can illuminate a room. Other people, they just don't have it. I don't have that kind of personality. But I know people that do. It says, for no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, they place the lamp on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, we did an experiment one time at BOC. We were talking about light and darkness. And it's a big, huge cafeteria, but if you turn out all the lights, it gets rather dark in there. So we put people up on a ladder. We turned out all the lights. We said, look at the darkness. But then the people on the, the ladders lit their candles and flashlights or whatever we gave them. And we said, see, they're on the hillside. They're the light. And pretty soon, those lights and those flashlights just illuminated the whole room. As if the lights were on. You know that you you turn a room on in your house and you put it on dim. Eventually, you see everything because light illuminates darkness. There can't be light and darkness at the same time. You can't have it. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. This is a message that has been preached for years, trying to get through to people. 
You can't live half a sinful life and half a godly life and figure on going to heaven. It's just not going to happen. You have to live in the light. I mean, occasionally, everybody falls into darkness. And that's what churches are for, to lift people out of that darkness, to bring them back up. We say restore, what we say? redeem, restore, and transform our walls. Because we believe that. We believe that we can redeem people, that we can restore them through Jesus Christ. It's nothing we can do on our own. It's not a power that we have as individuals, but through the Holy Spirit and through his teachings and through Christ, we can restore people and transform them into a godly life, a way of following God. It says in verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see though everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not let them see it for your glory, but for God's glory. Let them know that the reason you live the way you live, that you shine the way you shine, that your light is bright the way it's bright, is because of God, Amen. not because of you. Amen. You can't even breathe on your own. You really can't. Because there's not a one of you in here that can produce air. Amen. You have to rely on God. Amen. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things. They exist because you created what pleased you. Not what pleased us. What pleased him. Just to give you an idea of what he's talking about there. He's talking about bodily healings, bodily resurrections, Christ's work of redemption, answered prayers, bearing fruit, completing God's work. He's talking about the salvation that he offered to the Gentiles. He's offering praise and good works. So it tells us that we must persevere and face difficulty in opposition. In Hebrews again, verse 12, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to a life of faith, let us strip away every weight that slows us down. Let us get rid of every sin, everything that keeps us out of the place of God. Let's strip away everything that's holding us back from being all God would have us be. And believe me, he has a design and a plan for each and every one of you. Amen. So we got to get rid of the things that are bogging us down. He said, let us run a race of endurance that God has set before us. So many people always tell us, life here on earth is just a journey. It's a trip. It's a road trip. We're on a road trip. A long one. There's only. But heaven is our home. This is not our home. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, it says. The champion 
who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Can you imagine how humbling experience that must have been? To be the son of God, to be here when the earth and the world was created, to have all that power, all that authority, to breathe air into people, to do all this, bring people to life. And he takes all that he has and he just casts it away. He humbles himself so much that he's willing to go up on a cross for our sins. He disregarded everything. And there is shame to going on a cross, but he disregarded it. He was willing to take on its shame for mankind. And now he's seated a place of honor beside God's throne. So we have to think of all hostility he endured from sinful people. If you think about that, you won't become weary and you won't give up and pursue your faith. Matthew 10, look at, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. We all know that. We all remember that. Jesus is sending us out as sheep among the wolves. But look what else he says. Be as shrewd as snakes. Be sharp. Be vigilant. Be like it. But also be as harmless as a dove, he says. So he said, you know, I'm sending you out among the wolves. I know what's out there. I know what's out there. But be shrewd, be smart. Just like the snakes are shrewd. I mean, the serpent really did a number on me. This is what he's talking about. He said, be that smart. But be as harmless as a dove. And then in Acts 20, he says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, Paul says. And I know what awaits me. He knows the other disciples don't really like him. They've heard stories about him. They don't have Twitter. They don't have FaceTime. They, they don't really see what he's doing. All they're doing is hearing somebody's word. We know how quickly a word would change. Because we could start a number in the back, and by the time it gets to the front, it's going to be different. So we know that. But Paul knows. He says, except the Holy Spirit tells me in a city after city that jail and suffering is ahead. Mm -hmm. He knows what's coming. And then Matthew says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But if you endure to the end, you will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, just flee to another. Let's stand. Oh Lord, we just thank you for these teachings of Jesus. We know how important they have been. The Beatitudes really give us an idea of the 
the kind of life we should live, the kind of spirit that should dwell within us and what we should pursue. So if we remember these three, I think we're good. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a place of acceptance. All that have faith in Jesus are welcome there. All that put their trust in the Lord will be there. It's a place of eternal life. Infinity, living forever, eternally with a God, our Creator. And it's a place of forgiveness. For God forgave us all of our sins. He washed us clean with the blood of the Lamb. He washed us clean with the blood of the Lamb. He forgave us of every sin we've ever committed. And every sin we will commit if we truly repent. What awesome is our God. You need prayer this morning. For any reason, we'll open these altars. Because we want you to walk out of here without leaving a burden. Just leave your burdens on the cross. 